0: Welcome, Warriors, to MDC. In this series, I'm examining every single goddamn page of the Secrets of Shadaloo supplement for the Street Fighter storytelling game, intent on uncovering the single biggest secret on each page. Every episode covers one page. Every episode is short. Secrets of Shadaloo was published in 1994 by White Wolf Game Studio. Today we're discussing the back cover of Secrets of Shadaloo. Here we are. At last, at the end of this book, which I have today in my hands, no PDF for me, I lost my notes on it anyway, I've got this book right in front of my actual physical eyes and my actual physical hand, a great relief after yesterday's shameful display of guesswork. As is so often the case with back covers, you wouldn't think there'd be a lot to say about the copy on the back cover after having read this whole book and done an episode about every page, but in fact... It's kind of a revelation to read the way that this book sells itself to the prospective buyer after we have done a deep dive into its contents. And indeed, Secrets of Shadaloo as a product is what I want to talk about today, although this does touch on the fictional organization as well. Let me start by quoting from the back cover. Uh, we got the Street Fighter logo, the Secrets of Shadaloo logo, and then under the heading, quote, Emperor of Evil, it says, quote, From his island nation of Mriganka, Bison spreads his evil psychic influence across the world. This malevolent monarch commands his villainous armies in their war to corrupt the world. World leaders are powerless. Global authorities are paralyzed by international treaties. Huge slam on international law out of nowhere. Really a chiding tone toward the idea of treaties. Good job reaching a chord, world leaders, you bunch of dickheads. This is how you get psychic dictators. Another heading, quote, a desperate call for heroes. And then underneath it says, quote, the world is in desperate need of heroes willing to put their lives on the line and their abilities to the test to take down shadowloo This book gives you everything you need to know about shadowloo and its role in your Street Fighter Chronicles, including Bullet Point, descriptions of Sagat, Vega, and In Bison. Bullet Point, three new martial arts styles with new special maneuvers. Bullet Point, details of shadowloo's global operations, including Bison's island fortress of Mreganka. Final Bullet Point, Tourist Trap, a ready-to-run adventure. Can the characters survive a run-in with Chatelou's Spanish assassins? Puzzling choice there, given that you have access to the intellectual property of Spanish ninjas, not to use the phrase Spanish ninjas. Uh, then we got an illustration of Bison with his cape swirling around him, a very blank expression on his face, very uncharacteristic, glowing eyes, glowing hand, and at the very bottom of the copy on this page, it says, quote, This supplement is to be used in conjunction with Street Fighter colon The Storytelling Game. And Street Fighter is all one word. Now, don't worry. It's been a a rough week for MDC production, but I'm not about to leave this entire season on the pathetic note of complaining that someone forgot the space between Street and Fighter. However, if you look down at the little uh, legal text at the bottom of the page, it says uh, Capcom is a registered trademark of Capcom Co. Limited. Street Fighter, trademark, and World Warrior, trademark, are trademarks of Capcom Company Limited. And there as well. Street Fighter is one word with the F lowercase so you know it's for real. This is not some errant tap of the backspace key. Whoever wrote this back cover mistakenly believed the trademarked term Street Fighter to be one word. Now, having been immersed in deep, deep street fighting stuff for 14 weeks now, our initial reaction may be surprise that the vital back cover copy for this supplement about White Wolf's biggest licensed property was assigned to someone who clearly isn't even familiar enough with Street Fighter to know that it's two words. I mean, the official logo for the Street Fighter franchise is at the top of this back cover, and it's clearly two words. So that uh, uh, carelessness or unfamiliarity with the material may initially be surprising, but let's take a step back to the people that we were before this season began, and let's remember the earlier and greater surprise. What the fuck is White Wolf doing publishing a Street Fighter role-playing game in 1994 at the height of of the grim and gritty goth-punk role-playing juggernaut that is the World of Darkness, who went out after a hard day at the office writing about uh, death and philosophy and the soul and uh, hit the arcade and saw a Street Fighter machine and was like, you know what we need at our artsy-fartsy, rain-soaked film noir role-playing company? That green dude, Blanca, get him, get, get Capcom on the phone. I like that Zongief too. Modern horror storytelling and a giant Russian man in tiny red briefs, it's a match made in heaven. The fit couldn't be more perfect. That's that's the thing that knocks your socks off when you first find out about Street Fighter, the storytelling game. And bearing that in mind, it's not too surprising that whoever did this back cover didn't know Street Fighter was two words. Why would they? The whole Street Fighter phenomenon, as big as it was at this time, had very little overlap with the other highly successful brand of the world of darkness, particularly Vampire the Masquerade. But I say brand advisedly. Because here's the, the rabbit hole that I went down. I was curious. I was, I was thinking about like who wrote this copy in the back and, and more broadly, who wrote this book? Like it's a, it's a pretty small group of people working at White Wolf at this time. Who did this and what else were they responsible for? Right. Can I draw any kind of connection to like who in the White Wolf office do you assign to something like this, given that it's so far outside what you're trying to do with the rest of the line? So I looked up other books that were released in 1994. And as I was skimming through the list, I noticed Clan Book Tremere, which I, at the time that I wrote these notes, had just read for Fuck, Mary Slay, which is my other podcast series for patrons only on Patreon, patreon.com slash megadumbcast. But yeah, I thought uh, Clan Book Tremere, it's contemporary with this book, couldn't be more different in terms of like tone and intent. But I checked it out, and indeed, Secrets of Shadowloo and Clan Book Tremere have the same editor, Brian Campbell. Mindquake Brian Campbell. From way back at the beginning, remember? The one character credited in the playtest credits who we have not seen in any in-game fiction. A total mystery is Mindquake, and the person who played Mindquake edited, amazingly, both Secrets of Shadaloo and Clanbook Tremere. Here's what's interesting to me there. It's not just the contrast, it's the comparison. If you think about it, both of these books are about evil, globe-spanning organizations with lots of little subsidiaries Involved in some real dark shit, organized as a pyramid, with one supernaturally powerful leader at the top, who has probably been corrupted by some outside power, but nonetheless he commands the loyalty of the pyramid of evil beneath him, and if it weren't for all the infighting in these organizations, they probably would have taken over the world already there's actually a lot of overlap. I wouldn't be surprised if ideas for one of these books that didn't fit or didn't seem like the perfect match could easily have been used for the other. In fact, this inspired me to continue uh, looking through the list of other White Wolf publications in 1994. You know what else was released in 1994? The Akashic Brotherhood Tradition book. For those who don't know, the Akashic Brotherhood is one of the traditions from Mage the Ascension, one of the World of Darkness games. It's the sort of eastern mysticism and martial arts tradition and when i saw that i was like all right clan book tremere we've got the pyramid style evil organization now over here akashic brotherhood tradition book we've got a world of darkness book about martial arts action as well coming out in the same year as the street fighter line so i go to the akashic brotherhood tradition book and i open it up to the opening fiction and what do i see quote battering ram shifted her weight to her back foot her arm shot out like a rocket The gloved fist collided with its target so hard that her opponent's mouthguard flew free and skittered across the canvas to the dirty concrete floor. The ball of her foot soared up to tear into exposed throat and chin. Her opponent's head rocked. With a sudden glance, Battering Ram caught sight of three oddly-dressed spectators. One Asian wore an orange robe. The other man sported the build of a professional fighter. The woman looked oddly familiar, disturbingly so. Battering Ram hesitated. The bell rang. And then she has this whole talk with her corner man named Bill Bookman, who talks about the betting that's happening on this match and how she needs to get it together. Then we shift perspective to the aforementioned mysterious exotic people in the audience. Quote, Fall Breeze. Yes, her name is Fall Breeze. All Akashic brothers have names that could be like deodorant scents. Fall Breeze glared down at the spectacle before her. This is an organized sport? It seems very brutal. Fall Breeze couldn't keep her eyes from the conflict. Yes, Raging Eagle replied. Matches like these are held all over the world. People watch them at arenas themselves and television audiences around the world watch similar matches to their heart's content. Though it's illegal, gambling often occurs. So okay, so far, this could be regular kickboxing. But then, Battering Ram starts having visions of her past life, learning inner peace or whatever, then she flashes back to the fight. Quote, Battering Ram caught her opponent squarely with a vicious backhand. Spit flew and the woman's head bounced from side to side. You'll have to forgive the cries of, of my baby. We have her in the other room. We have her across the apartment, but she's two years old and her voice cannot be stopped by these feeble closet walls. To continue, back to Battering Ram, remembering the lessons of honor from her previous life. Quote, she wanted to dance around to humiliate her opponent, but suddenly caught control of herself. She must think of her opponent's feelings as well. This is sportsmanship. She had the ability to end the fight quickly. It would be wrong for her not to exercise it. Smoothly, she stepped up alongside the woman, sweeping her off her feet. Her hands caught the woman's center of balance and laid her gently onto the mat. The crowd booed. Battering Ram rose triumphantly above her opponent and quickly helped the woman to her feet. So already we got scummy little fight in a dirty arena, with a fighter named Battering Ram delivering a spinning backfist to her opponent, and then defeating her with a swift takedown so as to preserve her honor rather than gloating. Also, the booing crowd is clearly full of bloodthirsty degenerates, so this sounds like a street fight to me. Between the use of a takedown in what's supposed to be a kickboxing match, the spinning backfist, the crowd, everything... But then, to seal the deal, what happens after the match? Well, someone kills her defeated opponent, and then, back in the locker room, Battering Ram's manager, Bill Bookman, has blades pop out of his hands, and he turns out to be a cyborg who she then has to fight. This sounds more like the plot of opening fiction for a Street Fighter supplement than opening fiction for a Mage supplement. But here it is, in a contemporary World of Darkness book, hot street fighting action outside the designated street-fighting area of the White Wolf publishing schedule. And it's not just the martial arts. Um, other books that came out this year. A weird little book called Monkey Wrench, Pentax. That's Monkey Wrench, exclamation mark, Pentax. Pentax is, of course, the evil, globe-spanning, soul-corrupting organization from Werewolf the Apocalypse, and this supplement is about how you bring down Pentax by hacking them, getting access to their secret files and stuff getting involved in their business operations, all their various legal and illegal and quasi-legal schemes that they're using to despoil the world, and bring them down using computers, which seemed very exotic back at the time, and not, as it does now, like the most boring possible way to confront globe-spanning evil. Uh, Monkey Wrench pentex. this book is all about taking down all the different facets of a big secretly evil organization, including Black Dog Games, which is... (laughs) Let me see if I can explain this without being totally sidetracked. Within the World of Darkness, White Wolf has a parody version of itself called Black Dog Games, not to be confused with its actual mature reader's imprint, Black Dog. Black Dog Games within the fiction is a Pentex-run, worm-corrupted organization that corrupts people through role-playing games. And if you read about what Black Dog Games is up to in Book of the Worm 2nd edition, you will find that they use addictive chemicals in their gaming materials to hook people. Allow me to quote, from Secrets of Chatelou, page 55. Quote, In Riganka, master chemists invent new drugs as well as addictive foods, beverages, television shows, and chemically treated clothing. The most sinister plan is a top selling card game coated with addictive chemicals. That's right. A throwaway, uh, sour grapes jab at Magic the Gathering. Or so it seems, but it's actually the very same scheme being described in the very serious and mature game of Werewolf the Apocalypse and in Goddamn Street Fighter. And by the way, I know that Magic the Gathering is not a White Wolf product. It's a product of one of their competitors. Therefore, you would think within the fictional world of the World of Darkness, the addictive card game would not be a Black Dog product. However, it's established in the book Hidden Lore for Mage, which came out, I think, 1993, that Magic colon the Apocrypha, which is the parody version of Magic the Gathering, is published by Magicians of the Bay, the parody of Wizards of the Coast, and Magicians of the Bay has secret ties to Black Dog Games. Because it's all worm shit. It's all Pentex. It's all connected. It's a globe-spanning conspiracy using evil chemicals to addict people to a card game. Am I talking about shadowloo Am I talking about Pentex? The better question is, what's the fucking difference? It's the same. It's the same thing. Only one of them is pretending not to be silly. And by the way, you know who is in charge of the revised edition of Werewolf? And who is the first credited author on Book of the Worm? Brian Goddamn Campbell. There he is again. I could go on. I mean, the Akashic Brotherhood book has rules for, uh, familiars who are not magical animals, but who are animals who are like bonded to you by the soul, like the animal companion background in Street Fighter. Uh, Technocracy Colon Iteration X was released this year, a book all about an evil conspiracy creating cyborgs. I mean, not all about that, but you know. Mostly about that. There's a lot of other shit in that book, but you're thumbing through looking for the cyborgs. Another bit from uh, Book of the Worm. There's a secret subsidiary of Pentex, headed up by its only uh, Asian member of its board of directors who, of course, has supernatural martial arts powers, who is uh, deliberately trying to induce psychic powers in people by, by feeding unclean spirits called Banes into their brain. And according to Book of the Worm uh, 20th Anniversary Edition, it never quite works until he starts doing it to captured terrorists whose uh drive and focus and desire to survive and belief in a cause causes the psychic powers to take in a way they never have before. It also mentions that the guy who came up with this process is very lucky that he did because he was previously on the bubble for his failure to capture sites of uh, negative spiritual power in Southeast Asia. So what the fuck else do you want from me for this closing episode of this season? How else can I make my case? We have a martial arts Asian man working for a global conspiracy seeking sites of power in Southeast Asia who hits upon the idea of using negative emotions and drive to turn former terrorists into psychic villains. It's the same shit. So so the big secret of Shadow and like the big takeaway from this season, I feel, is every time somebody new hears about Street Fighter, the storytelling game, their first reaction is that initial surprise. Why the fuck is there a White Wolf Street Fighter game? The reason is because this, in fact is the purest distillation of what White Wolf actually was in 1994. It's not on brand for White Wolf, it's on reality for White Wolf. The other books all say they're about other things, but what they're actually about is kung fu, cyborgs, silly global conspiracies, supervillain schemes, and bad, evil, scary people who want to corrupt humans just for the sake of corrupting them and no other motive, because that makes everything a lot simpler in terms of story construction. I'm going to make a bold statement, a controversial statement, to end this season. First, White Wolf tried uh, the Camarilla, the Inconyu, the True Black Hand, the Technocracy, Pentex, uh, Clan Tremere. There were many attempts to nail the perfect shadowy World of Darkness antagonist organization, but they only got it right once, and they got it right with Shadaloo. With that, Secrets of Shadowloo is done. This season is done, kind of, but maybe not quite for patrons. As always, I'm going to be taking a hiatus between seasons. I'll be coming back, hopefully in season five, with a new book to go through page by page, However, this hiatus, I think, will be a little bit busier than usual because there's definitely more Street Fighter stuff I want to talk about. And I'm also going to be uh, arranging some Street Fighter matches for patrons on Roll20, so patrons can look forward to that. In the meantime, uh, Fuck Mary Slay on the Patreon feed will continue to come out as usual, and I'm going to be putting out some additional Street Fighter content for patrons only, too, Uh, so that you all won't feel like total suckers for continuing to very generously fund a podcast that isn't currently coming out during this hiatus period. Thank you to everyone who listened. Thank you to everyone who put up with a skip week, a very strange and slightly off-schedule end of the season, and just an overall departure from format. This was not Palladium. This was not a core role-playing game book. And I appreciated everybody who stuck with me for this departure, especially, once again, patrons. I do not have a Patreon in an ill-advised attempt to get rich off of podcasting. I have a Patreon because I do literally need that money to make the podcast, which I love to do, so thanks. Patrons, I will come to you soon with some Street Fighter bonus material, and to everyone else, I'll see you next season on MDC. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big Megasode on the top-secret Patreon-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that RSS feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact or check out the show wherever you want. I am megadumbcast on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, Podbean, your favorite podcatcher, etc., etc. Street Fighter and all associated trademarks are property of Capcom. This season's theme music, used under a Creative Commons license, is City Lights at Night by Revolution Void, whose work you can find at sites.google.com view slash Revolution or at freemusicarchive.org music slash revolution underscore void. Thanks for listening. Now get lost. You can't compare with my power.